The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello, and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I have an 81-year-old dad. I am actually blessed both of my parents are 81, and they are both still alive. But my dad was power washing his house a couple of months ago. I I didn't even know that people washed their houses. This is just one of those kooky things that my dad does. And he was power washing his house, and then he was astonished that he felt a little lightheaded. So that led to a series of tests, and then finally I heard this week from him, and we were talking about an operation that he's going to have for a pacemaker to be put in, and he was really, really less concerned about that than he was that he wouldn't be able to work for the next six weeks because my 81-year-old dad still works as well because he loves working and being active. So he says to me, it sucks getting old. And it's always startling to me to hear that from someone who is in their 80s because I think, haven't they gotten used to it yet? Does this mean we never get used to it? All of those little things that I feel in myself here and there that are signaling those changes to come how those have multiplied, how I don't want to think about them, and I still don't have to because they're not forcing me to do so. Well, I have two people who are joining me remotely, artists Mary Porterfield and Ellen Holtzblatt. They want us to look at this. They want us to look at senescence, which is the conditions or process of deterioration First of all, I just want to welcome both of you. Welcome, Mary. Welcome, Ellen. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> yes. yes. And so the, the occasion of our discussion today is that both of these Chicago-based artists have a show at the Miller Art Museum. It's called The Vestiges of the Tide. It opened on January 20, and it will show until April 6 in the main galleries. And this show features large-scale paintings by Porterfield, who is an occupational therapist and portraitist. She is committed to rendering her elderly, infirm subjects with images that address recurring struggles in healthcare. And in tandem with that, Ellen Holtzblatt, who presents works from her Song of Songs series, which are portraits of her elderly mother that convey that love, desire, and the need for human contact are universal an emotionally charged exhibit that will offer viewers, according to Helen Del Judas, who is the curator, a powerful poetic experience. Now, Helen had to say about this show, the two artists each take a uniquely visionary approach to contemplating a topic we prefer to avoid facing, but will each independently experience. When Porterfield addresses the urgency inherent in the potentially all-consuming state of -of end-of-life health management, Holtzblatt takes a profoundly emotional and spiritual perspective 
of the person we are within our bodies in our final years. So that's Helen Del Judas, and again, she is the curator at the Miller Art Museum. So I guess we'll start with with you, Mary. Why this particular subject? I've been drawn to the subject matter for years because, as you mentioned, I work as an occupational therapist, and I've always been most touched with the patients I've had who've had dementia because my father also struggled with that, and it's so heartbreaking to see someone you love gradually disappear. When I first started out working, my first job was at St. Louis University Hospital, and we did rotations, and I was on a geriatric rotation where I had to do very long, elaborate assessments for patients who had dementia that were hospitalized, and we had to determine with the medical team if these patients were safe to continue living at home or if they needed to go to a different environment, such as, such as a nursing home, and be given more supervision. So I'm very detail-oriented, and I would do these long, elaborate evaluations, and some of those patients then went on to nursing homes. So I've always been personally struck by being in this situation of discharge planning. I knew professionally I made the right decision, but I still felt guilty that I was part of the planning process to take someone from their home where they might have spent the last 40 or 50 years to a foreign environment, such as a nursing home. And I, I think part of my reason initially getting involved in this series was I, I just felt a lot of heartache over these individuals who had to leave their home that they loved. So that's that's what initially arced my journey of, towards communicating visually this topic of dementia and it shifted later as my dad uh, suffered from it and was cared for by my mother. Okay, I have a lot of questions about that, but Ellen, I wanted to ask you the same question. Uh, Well, this series about my mother, actually, I wasn't, when I first started it, I wasn't thinking about painting, thinking about someone who's elderly and how do they fit in the world and the emotional content of that. It really started to be just about my mother and my relationship with her. As she became older, we've ha- we've always had a little bit of a conflictual relationship, which I had to deal with more after my father passed away. He died on my 50th birthday when he was 89. Mm-hmm. Um, but with my mother, as I started painting her, something started to change. It started with a, a painting that was from a time she was in the hospital when there was this beautiful, she was sitting in a chair wrapped in a white blanket and there was a beautiful light coming in from the side. And I started to photograph her without her realizing that I was photographing her. And I continued to do that through the years. And that started becoming these portraits. As she started to need more help, she's now a hundred years old. Mm. The series started to change and it became about something else other than our relationship. It's a partly about her. It's a partly about our vulnerability in this world. It really took off during the beginning of the pandemic. At the beginning of the pandemic, we had to, my mother was depressed. She was living in an assisted living. She was isolating herself. And we realized that we couldn't leave her in that assisted living place. They weren't going to allow us to visit her and she was going to be even more isolated. So I took her out and she came to live with me part of the time. Hmm. And I had to witness firsthand how vulnerable she was and how lonely she was and how much 
how much we depend on that intimacy and the touch from other people to continue to live. I didn't feel like I could touch her at the beginning of the pandemic. I didn't know how it was spread. I used to wash my hands all the time. So that's the series started to grow from there. And now it has been, as she has gotten older and her dementia has gotten worse, it has now evolved into a place where I am dealing more with memory and the elusiveness of memory and how that impacts her emotional state. That's really interesting that you say memory, because when I look at, I don't know if there is one, it is an oil on linen, it is like a lily among thorns. That That is the one I think your mother is in white, and it almost appears like a memory, this painting. It almost appears like it's, it's, her memory in in some way but then also when i look at these pieces i think of isolation and loneliness in in really disturbing emotions they are very evocative of that and i'm curious is is that something that you intend or what is the intent of art like this that shows a side of all of us, you know, every one of us is going to be here at some point. What is the motivation or the, the inspiration to show that? What are, what are you hoping to evoke? I don't really, I try not to be too conscious about what I'm going to evoke. Hmm. I feel that if I, I try to, when I'm working on a painting, to just work on it and to leave my control out of it because I don't want to send it in a certain direction. I think it's more interesting if I work and then I, I, I should also tell you, I have a background as an art therapist. I used to work in a psychiatric hospital years ago as an art therapist. And I tend to think of art as coming from inside. If I don't control it consciously, that allows more space for the subconscious to come through. So I like that you tell me that my work has disturbing emotional content. Although I would like to ask you, what do you mean by, you know, when you kind of talk about that, what, what types of emotions are you, are you thinking that you're seeing in the work? I think that I see things like, well, like loneliness, despair, sadness, isolation isn't an emotion, but the state of isolation Right. It just seems to me like a person who is alone in the world. And so it evokes those types of emotions. And they're beautiful. <laughs> in that way, still, they are beautiful. And I have to tell you, when we were doing a, we had this, I want to say a few weeks ago in the paper, it was probably in late January when we first ran something. And our graphic designer, Katie Homan, she's also an artist. And Mary, I wanted to shift to your works because she absolutely loves the beyond reach. It's an oil Mm -hmm. on layered glassine. And she really, really wanted to, to put that on on the cover where we were putting the art piece and I did ask her to put a different piece because again, to me, it seemed very disturbing. This is a this is a figure of a woman, a very layered figure of a woman falling. And it looks like she is suspended in air, but there is probably something beneath her. But 
you see the motion in her falling because of the layeredness of this. And then the other one that we put right next to it side by side was five years adrift. And that one as well, it has figures slumped over. There are a series of layered figures slumped over. So tell me, Mary, what are you intending to portray in this type of art? Well, the, the figure beyond reach that's falling, and there's another one that is uh, in the same vein called waiting. Yes. Those were a tribute to the, the many patients I've had. Actually, I worked this morning, and I just had two patients with the same circumstance. So they fall at home. And they're lying there waiting to be found. And I've always thought that was the most heartbreaking thing because I started working as an occupational therapist in the, in the 90s when there, there weren't the life alert buttons and there was you didn't have a cell phone with you at all times. And people would fall and sometimes they would be on the floor in their homes for two, possibly even three days, hoping oh that a family gosh. member would come by and, and notice that you know, things seemed awry or the person wasn't answering the phone. And I've often thought, what would that be like to be perhaps 90 years old and lying on the floor and wondering if you'd be found and wondering if your life will be ending in this manner? I just, mm. To me, it was, it was just a heartbreaking situation. So that was the, you know, the motivation behind those two pieces. And then the other image you discussed, Five Years Adrift, my father really declined the last five years of his life. He had Parkinsonianism, which my mom believes to have been due to Agent Orange exposure in Vietnam. He also had Alzheimer's disease. He had had also multiple strokes. So a number of factors brought about his demise. And my mom was caring for him entirely alone the last near the end because it was 2020. I, I, you know, I'm working in the hospital. We had multiple exposures. There wasn't a vaccine at the time. I couldn't get home because that was it was unsafe. So we'd call each other a lot, and I hear her crying on the phone about her day and how difficult it was and how hard it was for my dad to move. And and that's that's part of the series too is bringing a, a tribute to caregivers. But I also thought too, what must my dad be feeling? Too. He's slowly disappearing from this person that was in the Air Force and, and an officer, and he used to jog every day when he was younger and mm. was so athletic, and now he is more or less confined to his chair and then later confined to the bed. So the, the person slumped over, and the multiple layers of that were meant to represent his gradual evanescence from the person my mom and I both knew. Hmm. Now, you both have exhibited nationally and internationally and frankly there are just too many awards here for me to list but you both have uh, serious artistic credentials and I wanted to know if this was a subject that you have always been drawn to. Ellen? I would say that I've always loved drawing people. That is actually how I started. I, as a child I used to just incessantly draw people and then I moved into, and I started doing figure drawing when I was 13. I don't think I was necessarily attracted to the aging process. That is something that has happened as I've had to experience it. I experienced it through my parents, with my father before he died, the several years, you know, a few years before he died, as he was deteriorating and getting more sick, and also as he was looking back on his life and just wanted to 
talk nonstop about, you know, thank God I actually gave him a tape recorder and he recorded hours of, of his experiences growing up and his parents' life in Europe and when they came to the United States. And then also experiencing it with my mother. So it comes out of a, a, I think that my connection to drawing the figure is connecting to the person that I'm working with. I remember I had a teacher once who said that you always fall in love with your subject. And I think that there is something to that, that you, there's something deeper. You're not just drawing, you're not just drawing an external image. There's so much more that's there because you're moving deeper inside through the process of making the work. Mm. So, yeah, so it's it's really more because of my personal experience that I've had with my parents. And as I'm getting older, I'm 67 years old, and I'm starting to experience physical limitations of my own. Okay. So it is an evolution of your career as an artist. You haven't... Yes, definitely. Okay. I would say it's been about five years for me that this has been something I didn't intend to do this. It's something that just started happening because of my life experiences. Okay. And what about you, Mary? Ellen, I love your answer. So with me also, it is similar in that I've always been drawn to the figure. And what really drew me in that direction was when I was training to be an occupational therapist, I went to Washington University in St. Louis and we had a year of cadaver dissection. And so we'd, we would be tested and we'd go from cadaver to cadaver and each muscle in the body was labeled with a little, a little flag and we had to identify the origin and the search insertion. We had to talk about what innervation was going to the muscle and on and on. And so then I started taking night classes at the community college in St. Louis. And I, I love those classes. And when we had these, these figure drawing sessions and we'd have the model to me, I just wasn't drawing a model in front of me. I was imagining all the muscles, all the innervations, everything I had learned as an occupational therapist. And beneath what I was seeing, I was imagining how the muscles were contracting and what was being engaged. And so I've always been fascinated with creating a figure, you know, in, in dynamic poses and thinking about the musculature. And then, as I mentioned earlier, so much of my inspiration, really since I started working in therapy in 94, has been based upon the experiences of my patients and their caregivers And that has really driven my work for so long because it's been such a big part of my life. The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. Have you shown this work in other places or have you had an opportunity to witness the reaction from audiences who view it? How about you, Ellen? I have given artist talks when I have exhibited my work and I love when I get responses from people in the audience who come to hear me speak. That's actually my favorite part. It's interesting because sometimes people come to it from a very personal place of their own experience dealing with their own parents. Mm. But other times 
people sort of separate themselves from that. One of the most interesting experiences I had, though, is I was in a two-person show, and I had the other the other artist was doing more. He was a much younger artist, and he was doing more of his family. And I had these paintings and drawings of my mother. And somebody who came through the show told me how it was like a negative for him, but I didn't necessarily take it that way. He had a really hard time going through it because he said he thought he felt standing between these images of my mother was overwhelming for him. Hmm. And I don't think he personally experienced that as a positive thing, but I thought that was, I thought that said more about him than about my work. And I do think that there's sometimes there's something that's overwhelming about not just the, the the fact of aging, but all as we've discussed, all the emotional aspects of it that go with it, all the loneliness, the the sense of isolation, the fear. I mean, there's a lot of fear that I have witnessed through my mother. The fear she before she started losing her memory, she was afraid of that happening. Now she's actually more at peace because she doesn't know that anymore. She's mm-hmm. living more moment to moment. So it's interesting that she doesn't have the same fear. Hmm. that she had when she was younger. But I do think sometimes for some people that can be overwhelming. Hmm. What about you, Mary? Yeah, I, I've recently exhibited these, these works in a few settings. I remember having a show at the Hofheimer Gallery where that was my first show of the works on Glassine, which you had described previously. And they've been exhibited at the Epiphany Center for the Arts in Chicago, Concordia University, and now they're going, a, a variation of these works will be seen at Wabanza Community College and then the Riverside Arts Center. But to Ellen's point, I had somewhat of a similar experience in that when I was showing at the Hofheimer Gallery, an art writer wrote on his blog that when he saw my show, if he, wa- he said, if I wanted to be depressed, I just would turn on the news. So that was his response to my show. And I still think about that because I, I do get some positive responses, I, especially from caregivers who there have been situations where they've said in some phrasing or another that they feel seen in my work, which means the world to me. But then I do get the, the other types of responses where in a couple of occasions people said this is just too depressing. Mm. But but it's a fact of life and it's something we'll all face. And my motivation too is I, I'm saddened by the fact that elderly individuals who have spent their lives perhaps raising a family or contributing to a work environment or having an impact in some way or another are so disregarded later in life. I'm saddened by the fact we're always turning a blind eye to these individuals that have given their life to make a difference in some way. Hmm. And I, I'm, I want to bring visibility to those individuals that have not been visualized enough in the art world. I really appreciate what you're saying about the visibility because that is something that I also feel very much and one of the things I try to address in my work. And that's one of the reasons that I named my series Song of Songs, which is a biblical text that's really about the passion of lovers coming together, looking for each other. It's very sensual, very erotic. And I titled my my pictures of my these drawings and paintings of my mother from this text because I feel that we discount people as they get older. 
that they don't have the same emotions, they don't have the same needs, that they don't need, that you know, don't, maybe they smell, maybe, you know, people are sometimes, maybe because of their own fears of aging, but they will dismiss it or not recognize it or move away from it and not bring them closer into them. And yet that's when people need that the most, that type of intimacy. Hmm. So when you bring awareness to a human condition that we will all face at some point in our life, and it's the human condition that we're none of us looking forward to, then what is, what is the goal of that awareness? Well, for me, perhaps it's a conversation, whether that be an internal conversation or a conversation with others, and that might lead to more conversation. And I, I just think of how isolated my mother was caring for my father during the pandemic and Ellen had a similar experience. Perhaps if there were more conversations, people wouldn't feel so alone. They know that they're not the only ones out there caring for another individual. Maybe there's a discussion of resources or support groups. So that's my hope. I, I know, I don't believe one artwork can change the world, but I do believe it can spark a discussion, and that discussion can lead to other things. Okay. Do you think that this type of art is a kind of advocacy art? I feel that way. It's Mary speaking. Okay. I'm not sure how to ask this question, but I'm going to give it a go. So (laughs) (laughs) when I look at a piece of art for the first time, then I am looking, my aesthetic is of course, the first thing that's ignited. So I think there's a judgment that goes along with it, of course. As soon as you look at something, you you like it, you don't like it, or it's curious, you're not quite sure about it. But there is an aesthetic that comes through. When I look at the pieces, your art in this show, it automatically evokes emotion And I wonder if that emotion then gets in the way of people being able to actually appreciate the art part of it. It almost seems like they're not separated. You can't separate the emotion from from the skill and talent of the art piece itself. Nor do I think they should be separated. I feel like that goes together. That's, that's, it's, it's not a compartmentalized thing, making art. I respond, there's the conversation when I'm creating a painting or a drawing that I'm in a conversation. There's a, there's a dialogue. There's a relationship that I'm developing. It goes from me to the, to whatever surface or whatever materials I'm working from. Okay. And then that continues then the other, the, the, the next part of that is then when it goes to the viewer so and the then, viewer should develop their own relationship with it. Right. So then that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's actually a very good thing. Right. Okay. I, I think so. Okay. And I couldn't agree more. It's Mary speaking. Ellen, thank you for that beautiful response. So that is one of the objectives, one of the objectives of Cheebs basically with, the, with this particular show, because the, these pieces definitely are very evocative. Can you tell me if you believe that you would be continuing in this vein or are you working on on something else? This is Ellen. I am definitely continuing working on the on portraits of my mom. 
but I'm sort of at a point where I started working on these very large ones. In fact, there's one of them that I believe that's in the show. Mm-hmm. I can't really afford to do those that much because the materials are very expensive and I don't really have a place to store them. But I started to think that the figure needed to be more vulnerable in the landscape because one thing through the work is that the figure started to disappear into the landscape. So the landscape needed to be, I don't know, I don't ever want to say more threatening, but it needs to be more engulfing, mm. more involving. But I also realized that I can't necessarily continue doing my mom fully. I started also going back and just doing pure landscape paintings. And I've started a series of my mom. So I have two different series simultaneously. I'm doing series of my mother on very small panels. They're about eight by eight inches. And I would love one day just to have a room of these kind of going around and they're, they're addressing just very kind of more immediate uh, responses to where she is and her memory and her, her cognitive, her emotional process. And then I also have this series of landscapes. But I don't necessarily view them as being separate because I feel like everything that I do, it's coming, it's being filtered through me. There's the same kind of emotional content. My landscapes also deal a lot with isolation and emotion, just in a different context. Ellen, do you ever feel like you are, when you're working on uh, a portrait of, of your mom, do you ever feel kind of voyeuristic if 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 her dementia is I, I mean that because she's not necessarily aware correct or is she no she well she knows that I, I show her the work afterwards okay but I take photographs of her without knowing that I'm photographing her Got it. if she knew I was photographing her she would smile okay and she would want to pose and I, and I she doesn't get upset with me she looks at my work and I think she she doesn't remember first of all now I now I show her things and she'll be every time I Sure. She's like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So, okay. so everything is new as long as it's good. It's a big surprise. Okay. What but about, yes, I'm totally a voyeur. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mary? Are you working on, um, are you adding to this collection or working on something new? Thanks for such a great question. I actually have shifted a little bit because my father passed away in December of 2021 So now I'm thinking more about what happens after a loved one passes, the impact of their lives. And I've actually delved into sculpture and I have this show at Wabanza Community College and I have a a giant sculpture of spray painted walkers and crutches that's about close to 10 feet high. And it's meant to represent the devices that are left behind when a loved one passes. And I'm all, I also have another sculptural piece where I have a mattress on the floor because my father died at home in, in the hospital bed. And I have it covered with flowers that, that make a shape of a cadaver, for lack of a better word. Hmm. And I have a figure low to the wall, just a few feet away, acting as if she's pulling forward into the wall. And I, I'm interested in the visual conversation that happens between my drawings and these sculptural elements and, and the discussion that happens and letting the viewer make make those comparisons. Oh, interesting. I'm sorry about your dad. I did see that sculpture, and that is crazy. It is it's huge. How tall is that? Oh, thank you. I think it's close to 10 feet. I, yeah. I have to look at my numbers at home, but it's pretty high. They're, they're close to the ceiling. And 
And I was wondering about it. We were trying to, we were actually looking at it and trying to interpret it in the office when I was holding it up. I mean, it's, it's a bunch of walkers that are almost like they're shaped. Are they on a wall or are they on a... Oh, yes. So the the show at the Miller Art Museum, that's a series of drawn walkers that, one that is, I have climbing yes, up the okay. wall. So that one and is then at I've the gone, Miller. Got it. Yes. And then I've gone now to making that three-dimensional. Oh, okay. uh, but, but they're both, more or less the drawing was the inspiration for the sculpture. But I, um, I'm, I also am interested in just having the viewers walk around my pieces. And, I, and I've always been a fan of negative space and overlap and seeing what how that affects the, the wall behind and what you're seeing. So I'm delving into that area, which has been really fun. Do you ever sit in a museum or a space where your art is being shown and just watch people look at your pieces, either one of you? I have not done that recently. It's it's Mary talking. I'm, okay. I'm always so pressed for time. It seems like I'm running from one job to the other, but I think there's a lot of value in that and I it's something I should do yeah I'm just curious because it is uh for instance I write I don't paint and watching somebody read something would not really give me any information (laughs) however (laughs) if you're looking at a painting you know clearly you can see reaction and body language in facial expression and in what people might say to each other as they're looking at a piece, I would almost not be able to not want to watch what people are saying, you know. Well, the hard thing with doing something like that, because I, you have to, because I have a couple times I, I do do that. If I'm in a show, like at an opening, I generally don't hang around the gallery, so I'm not always there all the time. Yeah. But if I'm in an opening and watching people observe my work, but I don't want them to really know that I'm observing them because I don't want that to impact oh, how sure. they... Right. So, so there's, you know, you have to be kind of quiet about it. Yeah. But I do want to just say one thing about, I haven't seen Mary's exhibit yet that she was talking about, but I saw pictures of it, and I just want to say the pictures are incredibly powerful and I can't wait to see it in person. It looks just, it just looks really beautiful. Well, that's when you were describing it, Mary, that's what I thought you were talking about because, and, and because I was looking just at a, you know, pretty much a one dimensional thing on a piece of paper. I thought it was the sculpture you were talking about, which is interesting. Now you're going to be, uh, both of you, you're going to be in Dora County in Sturgeon Bay and uh, you're going to be having a conversation at the Miller Art Museum with curator Helen DeJudis. That's on Friday, March 1st at 4 p.m. So there will be an audience Q&A and that will be followed by conversation. So you're both going to be in town for that and the public is invited to join that and you'll hear a lot more from both Mary and Ellen. Is there anything else that you wanted to say about your art in the show Vestiges of the Tide? Uh, One thing I just would like to say is how honored I am to be showing with Mary. I love her work. It's so emotionally evocative and it's very authentic. And I appreciate that we have at this time in our lives found this intersection in our work. And it's the, it's, we've had a couple opportunities to be in shows together. We had another two person show at one other time, but I feel that our work really speaks in conversation to each other. And so I'm very happy and honored to be doing the show. Oh, did you both 
that that brings up an interesting question. Did you both just start? Were you both inspired at the same time by this topic and this subject, and then realized you were both working on similar subjects? Uh, well, I, we were both. I was working with this topic since the early '90s when I oh, began working right. as an occupational therapist. But I I became familiar familiar with Ellen's work through an introduction from a mutual friend, Kathy Weaver. And I remember the first time I saw Ellen's paintings, my jaw just dropped. I mean, I have told her this many times, but I think she's one of the greatest artists in the Midwest. I, mm. I just think she's absolutely phenomenal. I, I'm just in awe of her talent. And so this opportunity came to show at, at the Miller Art Museum. Helen had invited me to have a solo show. But when I saw the beautiful space and how expansive it was, I first thought of Ellen. And I know that our work is a great pairing, uh, and I love showing with her, and I couldn't be more honored to have to share this two-person show with her because her, her portraits of her mother are just absolutely stunning. All right. Well, I want to thank both of you taking time out of your busy day to talk with me, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the show. I have not seen it yet. I've seen it only in photographs, but I am going to be down there this weekend, and I can't wait to take a look through it. So thank you very much again, both of you, Mary, Ellen, and hope to see you in Door County again sometime soon. Yes, I'm, thank you very, very much, and we're really looking, f- I'm looking forward to coming to Door County next weekend. Okay. Yeah, we'll have good weather. Yes, yes, yes. Well, it doesn't look like we're, we've had a winter at all, and it seems it's going to continue that way, so I think you'll be safe. All right, well, you're listening to the Dora County Pulse podcast. My name is Deborah Fitzgerald, and thank you, as always, so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. This podcast is produced by Miles Danhausen Jr. and edited by Rachel Lucas. If you want to help us continue to create more great episodes just like this one, visit our website at doorcountypulse.com. 